Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. If you find yourself needing legal representation, remember, Marcos Garza and his team are the premier DUI defense lawyers in East Tennessee. They handle criminal defense, personal injury. If you need a lawyer, chances are they can help you. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. Either one of those ways of contacting them will get you in touch with someone 24-7, 365. Before you say guilty, say Garza. We appreciate Marcos and his team for their support. They do a lot in the area. Marcos is a good man, cares about East Tennessee, and he puts his money where his mouth is, and he puts his time where his mouth is. So, again, remember, if you need legal representation, Marcos Garza and his team get our utmost recommendation. Let's get to the podcast. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It's Wednesday. It's January 12th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, Sean. Good to hear your voice as usual. You're down in Alabama. How are the uh, the people holding up after losing in the national championship to Georgia? Uh, I guess they're okay. I mean, I haven't seen, like, massive weeping and gnashing of teeth, but I don't believe I have gotten on Facebook since the, uh, the game happened. My closest friend that's an Alabama fan, I was with him on Monday afternoon, and I asked him what he thought, and he said he thought, George would win like thirty-one to twenty-seven or something. So he he expected to win. I imagine he was more upset by the uh, the loss to Auburn in basketball last night. Actually, so he's not the typical Alabama fan. Um, I, I don't think that they can really be upset about much after their two wide receivers go down. It was shocking how pedestrian they are at wide receiver after Mechie and Williams. Yeah, that was very surprising to see the way they basically just had nothing on the bench. I don't even think that Mechie is like a star. Uh, might be wrong, and he might end up being amazing in the NFL, but like maybe it's unfair to him after the wide receivers Alabama has had to compare him to, to what I think of him. But it was I mean, just he didn't he didn't seem like Waddle. Yeah, he w- Devonta Smith. Like he didn't seem like a superstar number two that they've had. You know, basically the last decade. I mean, they've always had pretty much two guys out there, and I think Jamison was—he was basically great as the number one receiver, right? Like he's—he runs a four-three. He's a monster. Like he was much better than Mechie, I, I thought. But he was, yeah. Kuiper, I think, has Williams as the number six overall prospect in the in the draft. So you know, caught fifteen passes in two years at Ohio State, and then 
caught like 76 this year at Alabama. Yeah, I just I was surprised by how um pedestrian they were. I mean, Jacory Brooks, who caught the touchdown against Auburn at the end of the game, like he was like a five-star recruit in last year's class. I mean, yeah, he's just a true freshman going up against that defense. They just like a guy Hall was a top 50 player. They just looked they were very pedestrian at wide receiver. I thought that their best chance, like it seemed like their best chance was throwing to Latu, the tight end more than any other wide receiver, which was just kind of surprising to me. But You just don't see an Alabama player drop a touchdown like Alabama did to go up 10. No, that was really – I was thinking about that this morning like or yesterday. If he just catches if, – if I think that was to Hall. I think that was to Hall. Yeah, it was 84. If he just catches – that was a beautiful pass. If he just catches that, like, it, you know, what happens then? I don't think Georgia would have been equipped to come back from down 10. Although what you saw in the national championship was, I think you saw a pretty terrified Stetson Bennett until the moment they actually went behind, you know, after his fumble. Yeah. And then it was almost like he had no more fear and started actually like throwing the ball and making some plays. And Georgia went right down the field every time they touched the ball after that. Or I guess both times they touched the ball. He looked very nervous um, just from the very beginning when he fumbled that ball, when he wasn't touched by an Alabama defender. I also hated the plays that Georgia was running. They were running these like 10-step play action, 10-step drop play action passes. And I'm just like, like, by the time Stetson would turn around, there would be a guy at him. But yeah, and then all of a sudden he just, just, you know, was like, okay, well, whatever. And then just start throwing touchdowns. Did you find yourself bothered that Georgia won a national title? Not extremely, not as much as I would have said five years ago or probably even three years ago. I think at this point that everything has been taken from us already and that the only thing that we basically had was that they haven't won a national title since Herschel Walker. They never want to, and it really made me feel like a loser that I was still clinging to that. To be honest, so it didn't really upset me that much. I didn't find myself like rooting for Alabama that hard or wanting them to win because, like, what does it matter? Like, it's not like Georgia's going to get better players now that they won that game. What does it matter if some of these guys go to Georgia instead of Alabama? We play them every year. Like, Will Anderson is from the state of Georgia. Who cares if he doesn't decide to go to Alabama because it means he just goes to Georgia? Like, it it just doesn't even matter. Like, I, I told my dad in the first half when we were watching it together, I said, Dad, like, watching this game just makes me feel bad for Josh Heupel. Because you watch Georgia's secondary and linebackers close on guys with the ball, and it's laughable. There was one point a Alabama defensive lineman was taking on a block and then just shoved down a Georgia running back with one hand and stopped him dead in his tracks and put him straight on the ground. Yeah, I mean, like, Zamir White, I assume, is going pro and will be a pretty highly rated draft pick. James Cook is a lot better than I thought he was coming into this year. He'll be a pretty high draft pick. Like, Georgia's just keeping Kenny Milton. He had, like, two carries the other night. He would have rushed for, like, 1,300 yards at UT this year. Like, I just, I told my dad, I said, I just feel bad for Josh Heupel watching this. Like, how do you even start to recruit to try and beat either of these teams? Like, 
Alabama was not nearly as impressive with their team overall the entire year, except for Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young is just amazing. I know he played bad the other night, but it's just like, I, I just felt bad for hype. I mean, it's laughable. The guys that Georgia has, like, I, some of these linebackers I've never even heard of. That Tyndall dude looked amazing. And the only linebacker I really knew anything about was N'Kobe Dean. Reality kind of set in there when you're watching that game of just, like, how far away you are from both of those schools. And, like, we obviously know that. We're not stupid. I imagine most of the audience listening to us is not stupid. You knew how far you were away, but, like, it was just jarring to see. And it just kind of set in there, like, whenever I realized I wasn't rooting for Alabama that hard, that I didn't really care about Georgia winning a national title. Because if Georgia would have lost that game, it wasn't like they were still on our level. They've yeah. passed us. Like, we're not yeah. catching them anytime soon, it doesn't feel like. No. Maybe you could have said, like, if they keep losing the big game, maybe Kirby gets frustrated and goes somewhere else. But, like, I don't think that was going to happen. Like, Kirby and Saban are both going to Yeah, be I mean, I don't think he's ever leaving. Like, I mean, I think Kirby, the only place he's ever going to leave for is NFL. And I don't know that he even has the, like, interest in that. I mean, it's very cool that Georgia is going to have two coaches for the vast majority of our lifetimes. And you can say whatever you want about Mark Rick, but like Mark Rick was a really good head football coach for a long time. He won a ton of games. And he went like, I saw this morning, he went 50 and 17 in his last five years or something, or like had gone 50 and 17 before Kirby took, like Kirby took over a team that wasn't devoid of talent. They already had Jacob Eason committed, but like it just was a smooth transition and Kirby is going to be there until kingdom come. Like, they're going to have two coaches for the majority of our lives, and both are going to be college football Hall of Famers. Well, what I would say about Kirby is, like, I don't think you stay around at Alabama as a coordinator as long as you do if you have NFL aspirations. And what I mean by that is, like, I feel like you have to be kind of wired a certain way to want to be the best of the best if you're going to go for the NFL. And I feel like Kirby is you know, basically not maybe driven to be the guy. You know, it was Georgia that came open that he took. It yeah, it was like, like he, he he was perfectly happy. I mean, he turned down Auburn. Like, he turned down the Auburn head job. Like, it was like, I'm I'm happy working for Nick Saban and being the defense coordinator here. The only thing that's going to get me to leave is the University of Georgia. Right. So I don't see him as the type that would chase the NFL just for that reason. It seems like he is where he wants to be, and it doesn't seem like he is on a quest to become, like, the greatest coach of all time or anything like that. I think he has a pretty good gig. Obviously, it's rolling recruiting, and he will, you know, maybe be the uh, the transition after Nick Saban eventually just dies or slips or whatever. Like, did you feel like Monday night was a passing of the torch at all, or is it just going to be these two teams every year, and it's pretty much going to be like he'll sprinkle in Clemson and Ohio State? I don't feel like it was a passing of the torch because of all the things that Alabama lost last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and then to... Because, like, who knows if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt the other night. I mean, Dan Lanning told the team, they talked about during the broadcast, like, Dan, Dan Lanning told the team, like, Williams is out. Like, he's the only one that's been able to do anything. Now let's go play George defense. Like, they weren't playing as good defense as they normally do because Williams is so damn good. Like, who, if he doesn't go out, who even knows? I mean, so no, I don't feel like it's a passing of the torch. Um, like, I felt like the whole year Georgia looked better than Alabama. I did too, but then like when you know, obviously the SEC championship came and they couldn't guard Mechie, and then on Monday they weren't going to be able to guard Williams. No. I mean he had he had uh, you know four catches, four targets, sixty five yards, and if Bryce Young didn't underthrow the play, he got yeah, hurt that should have been a touchdown. That it would have been a touchdown. 
So, but I do think my biggest fear, Seth, would be like Georgia's going to realize, much like Alabama did, that like, hey, this is a lot easier when you have a big time quarterback, like yeah. an actual big time quarterback, not a transfer B, you know, JT Daniels or a transfer Jamie Newman or, you know, whatever the hell they you call Stetson Bennett. Like, I think eventually they're going to land them a big time quarterback that's going to be good and it's going to be much like Alabama. You know, and how they're off. No, that, that's maybe, the, you, maybe you can't have both the offense and the defense because, like, Alabama's defense isn't anywhere near the level it used to be, but it's still really, really damn good. That's something nobody talks about, and I think that it's correct. You can't have both. It has to be one or the other. And hopefully, Smart doesn't un- never like realizes that it's just a lot easier to just have the best offense. And like, you know, I know they signed the number one quarterback in the nation last year, blah blah. blah but like, basically. I don't want them to go. I don't want them to get Arch Manning, <laughs> because like if they become like really good on offense, then it's just like, who the hell is going to beat them? I mean, Alabama, that's it. Like, you know, you're right though. Like, hopefully they just keep having bad quarterback play. You know, I think when Caleb Williams entered the portal, that was everyone's like deepest fear was he's going to Georgia, and it he's going to USC, obviously. He might not be announced yet, but I think everyone knows that, um, which is good because, you know, I guess it'll be JT Daniels next year or whoever. I mean, not Caleb Williams. Like, I just don't want them to figure out offense, yeah. But I just didn't really, like, it's just Tennessee, everything has been taken from Tennessee already. Like, Georgia not winning a national title wasn't going to make me feel any better. Do we have a path back? Because that's what I've been thinking about over the last you know week is like, do we even have a path back? Because it seems like you're losing ground every day, every year. Like obviously Alabama and Georgia are going to recruit, keep recruiting at a high level. The transfer portal hasn't given Tennessee really much so far this year, right outside of Nier from from Wyoming, like is that the only guy we've gotten so far? Yeah, that was like a big time guy. Yeah, right. So I mean, like maybe that changes. Maybe you're able to get an impact defensive back, maybe an impact linebacker. I, I don't know, but so far it hasn't helped you. Um, again, the recruiting we we know Alabama and Georgia recruiting just at the highest of high levels. Is there a path back for Tennessee? Uh, right now, no. I mean. Is it just we have to wait till like Nick Saban dies and Kirby gets bored. Like, is that it or 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 what? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think Tennessee has to get like. I think that like. I, I mean. I feel like every coach we've had has left Tennessee worse off than they found it in like one way or the other. Like just having a coach that would just give the next guy like a decent roster. Like, it would be nice just to have, like, it would be nice for the next coach not to have 25 guys transfer and us have to be playing walk-ons at offensive tackle. And I think that, like, Tennessee just, like, has to stop digging themselves a hole first. I mean, we've been talking about that for years. And for years, for, like, about, 10 years. Your, your point about Kirby not having to do that with Rick is, I mean, they're probably not winning a national title this year if it was a complete rebuild. Now, sure, they went, what, 7-5 and five and lost to Vanderbilt in year one, but it wasn't like rock bottom by any means. It was still a pretty good team that we had to beat on a Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, or is that Yeah, the, yeah, that is yeah, correct. I mean, correct. yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, he had the – Rick had the number one quarterback in the nation committed who stayed with Kirby. 
Like, and so, you know, he had Eason, who that ended up not working out, and Fromm came in, and blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, like, uh, Mark Richt was always winning games. He was always winning games. It was never like a Jeremy Pruitt situation. We've been talking about this for a decade, and it's yet to happen, but, like, every coach leaves Tennessee in just seemingly worse position than they were. I mean... Rick got fired what after eight and four? Probably I don't I believe know the in twenty fifteen they went eight and four I, I believe, and he got fired and you know then you're able to like easily kind of uh, transition. We've talked about how much off better off Tennessee would have been had they had the balls to fire Butch Jones in twenty fifteen, and you give a coach an actual roster in twenty sixteen, or even if you make the switch after twenty sixteen and and don't completely bottom out in twenty seventeen Tennessee just. Hasn't done that. Because, like, 2017, like, Tennessee entered the season ranked. Like, we were ranked going into that Georgia Tech game. Like, it wasn't devoid of talent. I mean, it had how many NFL wide receivers on it? Yeah, Three, I, I mean, guess. And you John Kelly. Know that Dormady and Garantano were complete shit at that point. Who knows if they would have been under different coaches? I don't yeah, know. And, and you had, yeah, and you had John Kelly. You had shot. Like, it had some talent to work with. Like, even then would have been so much better than what you did. So, but I mean, I think the main thing is like Tennessee just has to get lucky. Like they just have to get lucky. Like we, you really never know what you're going to get with coaching hires. I mean, there's sometimes where you absolutely do. Like if a team was went and hired Urban Meyer, you could safely say they're going to start kicking ass soon for a little while. Um, but Tennessee just has to get lucky, and they've never gotten lucky. You said it in the Discord. Tennessee scheduled to basically play the best two. Pittsburgh teams of our lifetime last year and this upcoming year. Yeah, I thought Pitt was going to suck next year until I read I, that. I was under the impression they had a bunch of super seniors. I thought that was the thing with them this year is they just had a really old team. Like, the thing I read from Stuart Mandel said, eight defensive starters, the entire offensive line, the top three rushers, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, and a freshman All-American transfer at wide receiver from Akron, plus Slobus from USC. Like, he had... He had Tennessee ranked 13th, which is too high. But the most shocking thing was he had, like, Pittsburgh either 9th or 11th. I mean, I, I thought that they were going to suck. I mean, part of me thinks I'm overreacting a little bit because they had all that this year, and the only reason they beat us was because of Kenny Pickett. And because Tennessee left 21 points on the board in the first quarter. Yeah. Like, all that stuff that Tennessee did stupid. If they don't have Kenny Pickett, Tennessee blows them out. They won't have Kenny Pickett next year, thank goodness. So I just, but basically, yeah, the two best team, the two best Pittsburgh teams of our lifetime, they're gonna have, or adult lives at least. I don't, I mean, maybe they like went to the Fiesta Bowl one year with Larry Fitzgerald or something. I don't know, but I mean, it's absurd. I thought they were gonna be terrible. I thought they were gonna be awful. And no, they're they're a top fifteen preseason team. Do you think our goal at Tennessee right now is to win a national championship? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I agree. And that, to me, I think, was what ultimately frustrated me the most. I think I posted it in the in the, either the college football thread or the game. Yeah, I guess the college football thread. I was just like, you see the gap, you see the gulf, and the hardest part is, like, I don't even feel like we're trying to really close it. And I'm not saying that's bad for Josh Heupel. I'm not saying that's bad for um, Dr. Danny. But I would say our goal right now is to what, like, get to eight wins? Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if Hypo and the boys are there talking about winning national championships. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe that's what the goal is. That's why Hinton Hooker and Big Said came back to school. 
<laughs> I don't know, but I, I don't think any rational fan thinks that's the goal like the for goal me anytime soon. The, like if if somebody asked me like what I my goals for UT football would be, like I would say under hypo, I would say one to have all eighty five scholarships used and that be <laughs> it be evened out like the roster from a numerical standpoint how many. Scholarships are allotted to each position. Makes sense. It's what you see at Alabama, Georgia, Florida. So that'd be one. Two would be to South Carolina, Missouri, and Kentucky. We beat them. Every single year, we beat them. And I know that we did this year, but like, it doesn't take a close game to beat Kentucky. Do you think we beat all three next year? Yeah, I do. Okay. Because like we killed two of them. And the third one, we get at home. Mm-hmm. And they don't have Wondell Robinson. They do not. That's a big win for Tennessee. I was kind of surprised their running back came back to school, but... Rodriguez? At least Wondell Robinson's out. Is that the one that came back? I mean, I feel like Rodriguez has been there for a decade. How is he coming back? And those are just your goals right there? To basically fix the scholarship, allotment, and beat the teams you're supposed to beat? That, that like... And then, if we could do that, then I would say, okay... Let's beat Florida at home. That would be like what my goals are. Like, I don't even factor in Georgia and Alabama to Tennessee's goals because the Georgia and Alabama have conquered space flight. They are colonizing the moon. Tennessee is still doing math with like an abacus. Tennessee is using their hands to add and multiply. Fingers and toes. Like, let's just get 85 scholarships and beat those three teams. And I don't disagree. And I would imagine at, you know, at his most honest moment, Danny White would agree with what you're saying. Let's renovate the stadium. Let's get the party deck sold. Let's let's have fun. Like, he, he talks about wanting to score points. That's fun. Like, let's score points. It seems like a lot of our fans enjoy scoring points, even if the games are still just as close and ugly, and you lose games like Purdue because you can't get a stop and your offense stalls out. But at least you look at the scoreboard and say, hey, 42, 45 points, whatever it was. But I would say Danny agrees. Like, let's get the stadium fixed, and let's try to uh, build some type of foundation. The question will be, like we talked about, will Danny White be able to recognize that there's no next level if it plateaus out. I'm not even saying it will plateau out with Josh Heupel, but when I look at closing the gap on the top teams, like you're not, it's not like you have a dynamic recruiter on campus that will be there to close that gap. So can Tennessee get to where they are winning seven or eight games, having fun, and then what happens? Because it seems like that would be the goal right now. Just having fun. I don't know if it's necessarily winning championships right now. Yeah, it, it's like it's. I know. Like, I can't even like imagine trying to explain this to like a casual fan or like a Facebook fan, or, like a diehard fan that like is a Facebook type guy. Because what we're saying is that like after the last fifteen years, we haven't even begun to rebuild. Really, like. We're talking about, like, having a full roster. 
Like, I'm talking about not being 20 scholarships down or 15 scholarships down or whatever it was. I'm talking about not having to have Dane Davis play right tackle. We are closer than we were when Jeremy Pruitt got fired, but we are just yeah. as far away than we've ever been outside yeah. of that. And it's like, well, how do you, like, sell that to people after the last 15 years? I don't know that you can. I mean, I guess you probably do do stuff like, let's just have fun and score a ton of points and put a party deck on there. But, like, there's so many more things that, like, Tennessee like, has to do to become, like, a serious football program. And it's I'm not blaming anybody associated with it right now. Yeah, it's not their fault. Like, I'm not trying to be negative to Danny White or Josh Hyde, but it's not their fault. Like, is like Danny seems like a, like a grade-A prick, and a lot of the things he does annoy me, but he, but, I, like, I think that, like, I, you know, I mean, I think I trust him. I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Like, um... Like, there's a lot of just, you know, I mean, Tennessee as an institution, I think, has to get a lot more serious about it. Still, they're not. Um, I think having someone like Danny White that's not a UT guy helps make everyone see that. But, you know, I mean, I, I think that Tennessee's wallowing in the mud like livestock, and they're in the pig pen. And, um. Yeah. Any thoughts about Tennessee basketball last night? Beat South Carolina to bounce back from a pretty dreadful performance in Baton Rouge on Saturday? No, I mean, I, you know, like Tom Hart said, they still didn't answer any questions about the offense. And I love Brother Tom Hart, but I disagree with them. I think the questions have been answered. They suck on offense. It Last night, like last night was so bad that, like, at the under four media timeout in the first half, like I just walked up off my couch and got in the shower. I didn't even like I didn't even care to watch like what was going on. Like when I got out of the shower, I was stunned that we were up ten at halftime. Or whatever the hell the score was at halftime. I think we were up ten. Um We were up six at halftime. I'm sorry, we were up six. like I was surprised we were up six at halftime because like South Carolina had cut into the lead and was tied when I got in the shower. Like, they just, it's, it's, it's brutal to watch. Like, I found myself last night barely paying attention at times. I cooked dinner in the second half. I read for most of the game. I mean, I just read my book and would periodically check the score. I'd have it on at least a low volume so I could hear if something big happened. But the South Carolina game did not really interest me. I was happy to see JoJo hit a couple shots and play a good JoJo game. If we can have that every fo- game from him. Oh, yeah, no, that's the perfect game for him. Like, that's exactly what we need. Uh, he limited his shots. He hit a couple, you know, the ones he took, or at least 50% of the ones he took. I thought Fulkerson at least did a couple good things and was at least a little bit more aggressive. But um, outside of the defense just continuing to be really, really good, I don't think you can learn anything from that game. And I'll be invested Saturday in Lexington. I think it's a really, really bad matchup for us. <laughs> I don't know who the hell's going to stop Shibway. I encourage all everyone listening to not tune in on Saturday to just focus on whoever Tennessee has in the midweek. Um, Maybe just watch the NFL playoffs, take advantage of the Shield, go on a date, watch a movie. I would start focusing. I would think more about the game on the 18th at Vanderbilt. Um, then this weekend, I think Tennessee will get killed. I think that Fulkerson, I think if they could have 10 and 7 out of him every game, that would be like a dream. As bad as he's been. I think 10 and 7 would be like a dream. Josiah James, that's exactly what I want out of him. Um, I still find myself 
with this team. Like, I can't really put it into words because he only played 10 minutes last night because of foul trouble, but, like, I continue to be impressed with Kamwa. He's our best player at this point, I feel like. Like, Which so... Which is crazy to me, but uh, I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be thinking that, but with Chandler's inconsistencies and him turning the ball over as many times as he did against LSU, I feel like Kamwa is our best player. And, like, LSU was so much more athletic than we were, but they weren't, like, but Kamwa... And Chandler, like you, like they were as they were as athletic as LSU. Like they could, they could hold their own. They could hold their own athletically. And like when I see Kamwa put the ball on the floor, like when he's at the top of the key, I see him put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack. I'm like, nobody else on this team can do this. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not in love with him posting up and then fading away. But more than anything, like since SEC play has started, Tennessee has asked him to step up big time, and he has tried at the least, but. Saturday night, that dude posterized him. But Kamwa went up to block him. If Kamwa was worried about anything other than doing what he needed to do for his team to get the win, he wouldn't even have tried to block it. But he went up to get the block, and the next time down the court, he he stuffed that dude's shot. Like he made that sure. shit off the backboard. So like I thought that like like I just find myself I guess Kamwa's uh, demeanor continues to impress me. I continue to like even when he doesn't make the shot or he doesn't get the and one when I think he should. Like, I continue to want to see more and more of him get the ball and see what he can do. And, like, some of that is just athletically he's different than anybody else that Tennessee's playing. He could, he, he held his own against LSU. Like, but, like, I find myself impressed by him. I, I like Vescovi. He struggles because he's not super athletic, but, like, he's still a good college basketball player. And he tries hard. And he busts his ass, and he's good on defense now. Like he 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 busts his damn ass. Like I I, I have no like I, I enjoy watching Scobie play. I want more. I just want to see more of Kamwa. Like I want to see more and more of the offense dedicated to him, which is crazy to say. But I mean LSU. All I can say about LSU is that they didn't quit. They. I thought they were going to quit when they got down 18, and they somehow brought it back to five and had their damn chances. Yeah, that was a really frustrating possession. It's just the typical Rick Barnes offense. You're down by five. You get a stop. You have the ball. And then you just kind of dribble the clock out for 27 seconds. Chandler gets blocked on a little runner. And then you uh, have the ball out of bounds. You try your alley-oop play near the rim that you've been doing since Jordan Bowden was there. It leads to a turnover that gives you a fast break, and the game's over. Like, it annoyed me that Barnes didn't, like, throw a fit over the fact there was only one second left because I think it was Jancic was jumping up and down, or somebody on the bench was, talking about that there should have been more than one second left on the shot clock, and there should have been. Tennessee should have had more than time than that. But Barnes didn't say anything. Yet again, Barnes, I thought, let the referees kind of just, he let Will Wade just bully the referees into, I Will Wade was throwing a fit over everything. Every time we play LSU or Auburn, we are at a coaching disadvantage uh, for multiple reasons, but uh, maybe none. Uh, Nate, o- Nate Oates. Yeah, Nate Oates as well. Uh, they just stay on the refs the entire time and end up getting the better whistle. Nate Oates did it to perfection when we played them. At one point, after he got into the ref's ass over and over and over, we were called for a foul three times on one possession. Nate Oates did it masterfully against UT. Um but as crazy as it is against LSU, like they had plenty of chances to win that game after they came back. Like I thought they were dead in the water. They 
played their asses off the whole time. I'll give them that. And they came back and they had chances. And I was just like, it's just, it's just maddening because they, they come all that way back and then they just blow it. I mean, but in terms of last night, like, no, because it doesn't really matter what we do against South Carolina. Yeah, the SEC gave us a weird schedule. We had three really tough road games to start when they gave us kind of a layup in the middle of the week at home against Ole Miss and uh, South Carolina. I'm not very optimistic about our chances on Saturday against Kentucky. Then we go to Vanderbilt. So, like, that's a, Vanderbilt's probably a much bigger game for, like, Tennessee's, like, standings and, and, and chances to win and how much important it is because it feels like – I don't want to say you're going into Lexington with house money, but I'm not expecting you to really win that game. Right? It doesn't sound like you are as you're telling people to watch TV or something else. No, Tennessee had, Tennessee had their chance to win. All Tennessee had to do was win one of these three road games. Think about how much better we would feel if they had beaten Alabama and beaten Texas Tech. Or just one of the two. Or just one of the two. Especially like, when you see the way Texas Tech has played since then. You know, beat Baylor last night. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Apologies for this episode. My internet has been pretty strong the last, what, four months, five months, but it's decided to uh, start shaking the bed again. Let's get through some questions, though. All righty. Brother uh, Dylan, how are you going to feel when the Chiefs beat the Titans in the AFC Championship game? I will feel bad. I will feel bad if that happens. If... Uh, Whenever the Titans lose, it's going to be maybe uh, it's going to be up there for worst sports losses in my life, Seth. I, I'm at that point. I think the Titans are going to the Super Bowl. I think it'd be a really tough game against the Packers, but it would still be devastating to get that close and lose. So I'm at the point now that this loss, whenever the Titans lose, if they do lose, which I hope they don't lose, it will be up there with uh, the Super Bowl loss whenever I was 10 years old. It'll be up there with... Uh, Losing to Texas A&M in 2016 with uh, losing to Purdue with Grant and Admiral uh, to losing with the Ra- losing to the Ravens in 2008, it's going to be up there. It's going to be it's going to be soul crushing. Was 08 the year they won the conference too? Uh, 08 was the year they were the one seed, yeah, and then lost. Yeah, I guess it was 08, 09, 09 playoffs, but 08 season. So, yep, it's going to be up there with uh, all of those. On the flip side, as Brother Weeks asked, when we beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, if the Chiefs get there, I will feel very, very happy. I will have an out-of-body experience in Nashville, and I'll immediately start trying to uh, figure out how to get Super Bowl tickets. I don't know if I'll cry if we win the Super Bowl, but uh, I'd like to find out. This is my best chance to win a championship, Seth. We just talked about how Tennessee ain't winning one anytime soon. Yeah, that's true. Balls ain't getting one. My Hawks are in trouble. It's, it's, it's all up to the Titans. And the Titans, as I've said many times on here, is, is the sports team I care the most about. So I'm, uh, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. If the Titans lose to the Chiefs, I'm probably going to boot DF from the, uh, from the Discord. Not going to lie. There will be some cancellations that day. Just a heads up. Just want him to go ahead and know that as well. Brother Techball. You are college football commissioner with unlimited power over conferences, alignments, teams, staffing, recruiting rules, etc. What are the three to five things you do to fix the sports? Yeah, that's uh, a popular question in the Discord right now is like fixing college football. But, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. It, it seems like it's too far gone. Like as long as, as long as the sport has no incentive for losing and you can just recruit the best players in the country and now pay them a bunch of money – 
legally and get them to the NFL, like I don't see how you get the parity that other sports leagues have. Yeah, I don't think you can either. In terms of like realigning the conferences, I mean, just put 32 teams together and have them uh, compete like the NFL. Hell, I don't know. But it seems like, you know, maybe the best thing you could do is try to take the Super League idea and have 24 of the best. And maybe just playing that rigorous of a schedule would lead to uh, some teams spreading the wealth and also like getting beat up and losing a couple times. Because Alabama wasn't like the Alabama that we're used to this year. No. And I don't know, like, we, as good as Georgia was, like, we still talked about before the year, this was their easiest schedule outside of Clemson. Like, they didn't play anybody. Yeah, schedule was laughable. So, like, maybe just making teams play other teams more, like, will lead to kind of an NFL effect where you're having three or four losses and you feel like it's not just two teams versus everybody else. Because I don't think anybody in the East is going to beat Georgia on most years anymore. No. Like, I mean, like, is Florida going to beat them anytime soon with Billy Napier? I don't think so. No, it doesn't feel like it. Alabama, Alabama probably, I mean, Alabama is going to get mad pretty soon because, like, Georgia is going to be in a situation where they are pretty much unscathed, unbothered when they get to the conference championship. And Alabama's going to be in a dogfight with A&M moving forward. And I think Brian Kelly will have LSU pretty good consistently as well. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it gets gets changed, especially from Georgia's perspective. Yeah, Clemson as well. You know, Clemson's kind of in that same boat where they'll get to the playoff kind of unscathed in most yeah. years. Because yeah. all Clemson really needs is a quarterback, and they're back in immediately. Exactly. Exactly. Like that, that That's all, you know, and uh, I mean, that's, yeah. So, yeah. The real Bryce, who I had a great time meeting uh, the Memphis weekend. Congratulations on your wife being pregnant again, too, by the way. Would you lock in a Titans Super Bowl this year if it meant balls, basketball, and football would be both under 500 for the next 15 years? I'm going to say no, Bryce. I'm, I'm going to say no. Now, you know, if you started offering me more, because, Seth, you know, like in negotiations, you never accept the first offer. If you offered me like a Patriots dynasty run for the Titans, I would say yes. But one Super Bowl is not going to be enough. But if you offer me like three of the next seven, I eh, might say yes. Might say yes to that, but not not just for one Super Bowl. Under 500 is just too much. 15 years is way too long as well. Under 500 would kill both programs, so it's not worth it. Brother Tennessee, a.k.a. Cargo Shorts Lover, a.k.a. Guy Fieri Superfan. Chances... Rick Barnes is fired or retires this season on a 1-100% to scale. 10%. And that feels high. Yeah, that yeah, I'm going with like less than 5. To me, I just can't go less than 10% just because of you know, his age. Yep. If I was like looking at it from a Vegas perspective, if you're saying 5%, that's essentially 20 to 1 odds. I wouldn't give anybody 20 to 1 odds on it. But 10 to 1 seems about right. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think it would have to be something like health-related. Or just stress, like eventually getting to him. Or like you know, a full-on mutiny from the team or something. And I don't think any of that's going to happen. He's not getting fired. No, he's not getting fired. If you lost to Ole Miss and lost to South Carolina, you might have that conversation. But like Tennessee is going to still be a tournament team. They're still – I mean, like we're, we're, we've gone a little too far. It's been frustrating – 
they don't have a single bad loss. Like right, and I and I don't think Tennessee is going to win anything of consequence. But they're going to be like a six seed at worst. Probably at worst, I feel like yeah. At worst, like the net rating is still good. The Ken Palm rating is still good. Like Tennessee is still going to be a six seed at the absolute worst, and probably more so like a four seed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I found myself telling like the because as disgusted as I've been last night, I was just like. I hate watching this team. I don't think they're very good, but after Texas Tech beat Baylor, I was just like, they don't have a bad loss. No. I mean, Tennessee's 14th in the Kempom ratings, and they're number 10 in the net rating right now. So, like, they're still going to be a really good team, and I think they'll still find a way to be the fourth or fifth seed in the SEC. Now, maybe if you're the fifth seed, that's disappointing, but if you get a double bye, it's all anyone really cares about. Like, we know the SEC tournament's going to be a crapshoot regardless. Maybe Auburn's just clear-cut the best team, but I don't know if there's a number two that you feel really scared of. We'll see, I guess, on Saturday against Kentucky. But, no, like, Barnes isn't getting fired. We've been a little too tough on him. But, like, it's just the frustration that we're seeing the same type of offense for the third straight year, the same type of deficiencies, no matter how different the roster may look now. And you actually have a five-star point guard that you can't say, like, hey, if we only had a point guard, this would be better. Like, it, you've had, you know, 15 stars the last two years in the backcourt. When you look at Keon and and Springer and 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 now Chandler, of course, so like it's just frustrating. But no, it's not. He's not getting fired. Brother Logan, aka Logie Bears, at this point, would you rather have back Bruce Pearl or Lane Kiffin? I mean, I don't even want Lane Kiffin at this point. I mean, I don't know what Lane Kiffin is going to give you that Josh Heupel doesn't. I mean, I guess you could say Lane's a little bit better or Lane's better, but, like, I'd much rather have Bruce back. Yeah, I agree. Because Bruce is an actual – I don't want to call him – I'm not calling him a titan of his sport. I I'm not going to go that far, but, like, Bruce Pearl's still a top-ten coach in college basketball, right? Bruce Pearl's won the SEC at Tennessee and Auburn now. He took Auburn to the Final Four. He took Tennessee to the Elite Eight. He has Auburn in the top-five team. And he currently has, uh, the last time I checked, the number one pick in the NBA draft, like – Jabari Smith went to Auburn and got better. He wasn't the number one pick when he came to school. Whereas we just talked about Tennessee's five stars that they bring in. Like, none of those guys have really improved their stock. So, no, Bruce Pearl, to me, is still a top ten basketball coach. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, like, you look at the, the dude last night, Wendell Green. He's a transfer from, like, eastern Kentucky. And he's just unstoppable. I mean, Katie Johnson, like, all their transfers are working out. Katie Johnson from Georgia. Wendell Green from... Eastern Kentucky, uh, I know he didn't play well last night, but, like, Walker Kessler's been really good this year. Yeah. From North Carolina, I mean. Pearl's top ten, at least, and uh, he's the answer. Yeah, I agree with um, <coughs> with that. I think Lane's going to go to the NFL. There's some smoke there. Apparently the Minnesota Vikings are very interested in it. Well, I think he has to, right? The only thing that's gone right for him this offseason is he got Zach Evans. Like, that's it. That's not enough to keep you happy. There's only one thing to me, if I'm him, there's only one thing that could keep me, and that's Arch Manning, and he ain't going to Ole Miss, it seems. So, if I'm him, I'm going to uh, the Vikings if they if they give me the chance. Apparently, Lane's kind of a Minnesota boy. I wasn't fully aware of that. Apparently, went to high school in Minnesota when Monty was coaching with the Vikings. I know I did. Yep, so there is, there is a tie there, at least. Bruce. Man, it'd be so much cooler if Bruce is our basketball coach. 
Yeah, it really sucks to watch him win games somewhere else. And even like to bounce back and reload and then come back and do it again the very next year. Like they were awful last year. Yeah. Nope. Back now though. Yeah, I just watch all these other SEC teams that are top twenty, and like I when I watch them, I can see what their like what their identity is, what they're trying to do. LSU wants to get up and down the court. They're super athletic. Kentucky has Severe Wheeler, Tata Washington, and the big man. And then they have Grady to shoot threes. Alabama is going to launch threes and take rim shots. Auburn has Jabari Smith. Auburn has several legitimate NBA prospects. And then I like, what the hell is Tennessee's identity? We just want to grind down on defense and uh, hopefully score enough points. Like, our identity is defense, and that's fine. Like, you can be a defensive team, but LSU still scored 79 points. It's like you can be a defensive team and win a lot of games. Tom Izzo's done it for a long time, but like you can't be just absolutely just poverty on offense. I mean, you just can't be this bad. And also, like I, I, we are a really good defensive team, but we do have a weakness on defense to me, and it's like rim protection, or at least it was against LSU. And that's pretty frustrating. And, like, not being able to get rebounds is pretty frustrating. So, like, I do think we have a couple things we have to tighten up on the defensive end. Because yeah. if you're going to hang your hat on defense, you can't be a layup line at the rim. And that's kind of what LSU treated us like. Yeah, I mean, I just – yeah, I mean, I just, like, I watched this team and I'm just, like, in the coaches' minds, what was – how did they see it playing out? Did they really see us lighting it up from three that much? Because it's hard to figure they did. It's been, that's been the most frustrating thing about Tennessee basketball is like the first game against Tennessee Martin, we're letting it fly. We got some shooters, and I still think we have some good shooters. It's just they're not hitting shots, and they aren't hitting any mid-range shots, and they're not even hitting any fucking free throws at this point. Like we're shooting 50% from free throws the last couple games. Like it's just – it's it's mind-boggling for me. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like we – it's not like Rick – it's not like pricking the boys changed the offensive identity after the first game where threes just didn't go down. They've kept launching them. I mean, we have kept launching them from three, and they just do not go in. I mean, last night I felt like it was a good night from three, and we were 7 of 21. <laughs> 11 of 25 from the free throw stripe. I was wrong last week when I said I wanted this team to get to the free throw line more. I looked like... It, was, it looked like it was going to pan out that first half against LSU because we took so many damn free throws against LSU. But obviously, getting to the free throw line is not the answer for this team because they can't shoot free throws worth of shit either. Kenny Chandler, three of eight from the free throw line. All right. Three All right. of damn eight. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, my internet was out. I just couldn't hear you. I didn't know you were still on a rant. My bad. I was just ranting about Chandler at the free throw line. Yeah, I don't understand how he's three for eight. Like, I... I He's been disappointing ever since I dubbed him the best point guard in Tennessee history after the Colorado game. He has uh, shit the bed and made me look like an idiot. So I need him to get his shit going. Hopefully against Kentucky, he rises to the occasion. Because I've been disappointed in him in big games so far. Give me one more question, then I'll get out of here. Because my internet's just continually in the shit the bed and I'm about to lose my mind. Uh, Brother KT, why are the Grizz so much better than the Warriors? Um, it helps when Draymond Green doesn't play. That helps. The Grizzlies are good, though. The Grizzlies are good, and I know Grizzlies fans will be well, Dylan Brooks didn't play. Well, Draymond Green's better than Dylan Brooks. No. Yeah, we're talking about people that matter, Boomer, yeah. before you get mad about Dylan yeah. Brooks. I know Dylan Brooks didn't play, but uh, Draymond Green is still like borderline all-NBA type of talent. 
I think the Grizzlies, though, uh, should make the second round at least. I think if, you know, they get the Jazz, they can beat them. If they get the Warriors in a series and Clay and Draymond are there and they're up to speed, I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors. I don't think they'd beat the Suns, but, you know, there's a chance they make the conference finals and the Grizz look really good and really deep and they got the steal of the draft last year with Desmond Bain. That guy's a stud. That guy's a monster. And I really don't understand how he fell as far as he did. I was looking at I didn't, I didn't quite realize how good he was in college at shooting the basketball because I'm pretty sure he was like the last pick of the first round. And he, he was a four-year player at TCU that was shooting like 44% from three for his career. And I just don't understand how teams didn't look at a 6'6 guy like that and, and, and take him sooner. But they got a steal, and he's a perfect – like Desmond Bain, to me, is the most impressive part of the Grizzlies. I know Morant's taking a leap, but like Bain is like the ideal number three on a championship team. Like he's a guy that you have to have on your team to win a championship. And the Grizzlies have him, and they got Morant, and – they're pretty damn good, and if Jaron Jackson Jr. can uh, play up to his potential, the Grizzlies are really, really nicely set up. They are not better than the Warriors, though. I am curious about this question, so I'm going to ask it. the last one. Stare asked, uh, what is your favorite scary movie, Seth? I don't – I know. I didn't ask that one because, like, none, nothing drops in my mind. Like, I'm not a big scary movie guy. I'm not I didn't think you guy. would be, but I wasn't sure. Nothing, like, comes to my mind. Like, I know you like scary movies. and I love scary movies. I've just never really been – I assume he asked because my favorite scary movie's fifth installment comes out tomorrow, and I'm pumped for it. Scream. That's my favorite scary movie. Why do that? Yeah, that's why. I didn't know if you had one. (coughs) Plus, they asked that question at the beginning of Scream. I do not. Have you ever watched Scream? Yes, I have. I have. Okay. I'm just not a big scary movie guy. Yeah. This is not my cup of tea, so to speak. Too gruesome? I don't know. I just... I don't know. I've always just like whenever I've watched a scary movie, like I've just ended up laughing. Like it just they seem kind of over the top to me. Some of them are like they're like the Saw movies are just way too like gory. They're just way yeah. over the top. I don't even view Saw movies as horror to be honest. Or to be, uh, they're just like gruesome. Maybe horrors. Like we had that discussion before. I don't view Saw as scary. I view it as horror. Horror, yeah. Yeah. Like there's a difference. Scary. There's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah, it's just like gory and like wants to unsettle you, but like there aren't really any scary parts. Like, yeah. oh no, look at the pig mask. No, who cares? Um, there are a couple that like don't make you laugh, but those are really like just too scary. I'd imagine you like the psychological more angle of it. You might yeah. like like the Lodge. I think it's on Hulu. That's uh, a pretty good one. How, when did that come out? Like two years ago, maybe. Three okay, years I haven't ago. seen it. Uh, you've talked about it before, though, I think. Um, that one's pretty good, and, I mean, Hereditary is terrifying. Oh, Hereditary? That one. Yeah, that one's terrifying. Okay. But those are actually, like, scary. Like, I wouldn't want to watch those, like, if I don't like scary movies. Good. But I'm pumped for Scream. I'm trying to avoid, like, any reviews or anything, but uh, I'm excited. Seth, I love you. I'm going to get out of here, try to get this uploaded and podcasted before my internet goes back out. Anything you want to say on the way out? No, I love you. I love everyone. Got to get a tighten up. Actually, don't even worry about it. Save your tighten up for next week because my boys (laughs) don't even have to play this weekend. They don't even have to play. We got our feet kicked up. Has anyone seen Blue Moon Vol? Has anyone seen BMV? He has disappeared since his Colts got their ass kicked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So many Tennessee Colts fans listen to the podcast. Way to back a loser. Way to back a loser. It's really shameful that if you're a Tennessee Colts fan because, you know, I would imagine the reason you were is because of Peyton Manning. And then, you know, they kicked Peyton to the curb and did him dirty. 
and then you stayed. So you got what you deserved, actually. <laughs> How about Andrew Luck at the championship game the other night? You know, right. um, that's one of the first times I've seen him since he retired. Yeah. He's, he's laid pretty low-key. He looks awful, but he looks happy, and that's all I was surprised he was even doing that. Like, I was surprised he was even on TV doing that. Like, I know it was in Indianapolis, but I did not take him for, like, still sticking around this like the area. I figured he was in the mountains somewhere. Or like in, on a farm in California or something. Yeah. All right, Seth. Love you. See you later. I love you too. Bye. Bloodshot eyes on the balcony. A bottle of whiskey and his hands are over me. I was looking for the fire escape You showed up without a second to waste What if we run? What if we get away? There ain't a single reason for us to stay We could be 